We're going to turn in God's Word uh, right now. We're going to read from Ezekiel chapter 47, and we're going to read verses 1 down to verse 12. And you can find that. There's Bibles in the back of your chairs, just so you know. If you want to follow along, uh, I'd encourage you to do that. It's always good to be in God's Word. Um, The words will also appear on the screen before you. Uh, And that's on page 734 of the Pew Bibles, uh, but also appear on the screen. And that's Ezekiel 47, verse 1 down to verse 12. And that's on page 734 of the Pew Bibles. Let's listen to God's Word together this morning. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple, toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces towards the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through water and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee-deep. Again he measured a thousand, and led me through the water, and it was waist-deep. Again he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river, As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live wherever the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea. From Engedi to Engelim, it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for healing. Amen, and may God bless to us his holy word this morning. I always try and spend time at the end of the year that we have just, we're just leaving to try and discern what the Lord is saying for us as a congregation and where he's leading us as a people in this new year that is to come. And like I said last week, there was a bit of wrestling when I was trying to 
discern what we should focus on at the end of 2023, and I settled on as looking backwards, but also looking forwards, you know, giving thanks and having hope in the same thing, that God's mercies are new every morning. They were new every morning for 2023, and they'll be new every morning in 2024. But as I prayed about it, this was the only passage that came to my heart. It was very, very real, and, and I felt it was something that we should, we should look at as a congregation and as a fellowship and as a community of faith here in the east end of Glasgow. And as I, we, we do this this morning, I pray that actually each one of us would not just sit there and just have words spoken to you, but actually you would engage what the Spirit is saying as we study God's Word together this morning. I pray that you're challenged. I pray that you're convicted. I, I pray that you're transformed. And I pray that you're encouraged as well as we go through God's Word together. This was a vision that Ezekiel is having. And Ezekiel is one of God's prophets who, like many of the other prophets in the Old Testament, is warning God's people in his book, in Ezekiel, he's warning God's people that if they don't turn back to God, that they're going to go into exile. That actually they've turned their back on the Lord and there's going to be consequences and repercussions for doing so. They've turned their backs on him, they're worshipping idols, and as a result, God will allow, he says through Ezekiel, he'll allow his divine judgment to come and fall upon his people. And this, we see through the prophets that this would come in the form of the Babylonians coming and laying siege against God's people, and that they'd be taken into captivity and into exile. And then in chapter 3 of Ezekiel, Ezekiel receives a report that the Babylonian siege is over because Jerusalem has fallen and the temple is destroyed. The question then is for God's people, as the temple is destroyed, as the city falls, as they're being led into captivity, into exile, what now? What is going to happen to God's people? What is God going to do? The big question they'd be asking is, is God done with us? Is God leaving us? Is that it for us? Have we had our last chance? Is this it? Are we lost everything? And they have lost everything. They've lost the land that God had given them, the promise that, that he'd given through their ancestors. The land now looks like it's been taken away from them. The temple where God's presence dwells is now destroyed. So what? what, what, what where are they? What's going to happen? But God in his mercy at the end of chapter 11 of Ezekiel gives this word of hope that there is going to be hope. Even after all these things are going to happen, there is still hope and future for God's people. And from chapter 33 onwards, the rest of Ezekiel is really God speaking through Ezekiel. And, and, and Ezekiel is designed um, to explore hope after this catastrophe has happened. In chapters 34 to 37, we see the hope for Israel. Like how God would raise up a new David. There would be a new king, a new messianic king who would come and he would lead Israel in the way that they needed to be led. Not like any of the other kings that they've had before. But there's going to be a new king who would come and he would form a new Israel. And they would be transformed in their hearts. No longer would they have hearts of stone, but they would have hearts of flesh. 
So in those chapters, you see the hope for Israel. In chapters 38 and 39, we see the hope for not just Israel, but the hope for the nations. Like how God would finally defeat the evil that was happening all around them. In the surrounding nations, the evil that was taking place, that God would wipe that and destroy that. And this is shown through Ezekiel engaging with this kind of king that he makes up to symbolize evil, which is called King Gog. And, and what we have with King Gog is like this portrayal of, of evil and violence. And it, it looks like we were reading of all these different evil people in the Old Testament. And that's really what we are. He takes the worst and some of the bad people in the Old Testament and puts them together to symbolize that evil will be eradicated. That evil will be wiped off the face of the earth. That there is hope for not just Israel, but for the nations as well. Then in chapters 40 to 48, we see the hope for all creation. Once evil is dealt with, once evil is destructed, once we see King Gog being destroyed, We have these remaining chapters in chapters 40 to 48, which shows us about the restoration of God's presence with God's people. And in these chapters, Ezekiel has a number of different visions, and they're very real for him. And he has this heavenly tour guide, which we read as then he, that's who the he is in the beginning of um, chapter 47, verse 1, is He is this heavenly tour guide that comes and he takes Ezekiel through this variety of different visions. That's who the he is. It's this heavenly tour guide that's showing Ezekiel these different things that God is revealing to him. And he begins by showing Ezekiel the new temple, which is far more grand, which is far more majestic, far larger, and far better than the temple that Solomon built, that there's going to be this amazing temple that comes. And Ezekiel witnesses, at the beginning of, of, of Ezekiel, he witnesses, witnesses the, the glory of God departing, but in this vision, later on in the chapters 40, he sees the glory of God returning and resting and filling the temple. Now, these visions have been the source of a lot of debate. And, and what, do, what do they mean? Are they, are they just symbolic or are they literal? Some people would say that in these chapters that we have the blueprint for exactly what's going to happen. But as others would say, actually, there's real spiritual emphasis in them. And there were very real visions that Ezekiel saw, but there's a lot of symbolism that God, is, that God is speaking to Ezekiel through them. But what's important, though, is that Ezekiel never calls this new city Jerusalem. And the end of chapters 47 and 48 shows us why, because God's plan has always been to restore the whole of humanity all of creation, back to its perf- His perfect standard that we had in Genesis before sin. And God has always been in the business of choosing a people to display His glory for the redemption of His people. Which is why this, the book of Ezekiel ends with the name for this new garden city, which is the Lord is there. This isn't about just any earthly place but it's about the Lord's presence being with his people. 
I do think that what Ezekiel is speaking of here in the verses that we read are, are symbolic. I think that it's a very real vision that he's seen, but there's a lot of spiritual meaning from, from this. I don't fully believe that there's going to be, uh, all of a sudden, there's going to be a temple with a little river flowing out of it, but I think there's a lot of spiritual emphasis that we can take from that and we can learn from it <clears throat> as well. This temple that we read of is the temple that Ezekiel has just had a toot of. He sees the glory of God returning to it. And then all of a sudden, the next thing he sees is what? He sees this stream of water flowing out of it. Ezekiel is brought back to the outside of the temple. He comes back to the outside of the temple. He comes to the threshold, to the entrance of the temple, which is facing towards the east. And I love that, being a church in the east end of Glasgow. I love that there's a lot of emphasis here about the east. May that be a prophetic word for what God is going to do in our community and in our midst. And he sees this water flowing from the threshold, but it's water that was issuing. Now, what that means is that there was water trickling from under the threshold. It was like little drips. It wasn't a flowing river. It was little drips of water that were trickling, that were issuing, issuing out from under the threshold. And this vision sounds a bit confusing, but what it is saying is that water was trickling out of the temple towards the east. And the place that the water ends up flowing into was the Dead Sea. And as Ezekiel, because it's a real vision, he, he doesn't just kind of hover above it and see it all. He has to walk around the temple and he goes back around these, these places and he comes out towards and sees, around, he goes around the altar and he sees this stream of water flowing eastward. Ezekiel sees this tiny stream that flows and then pours out from the threshold of the steps, which quickly becomes this raging and big river which flows out from the temple and into the desert and into the most desolate of places that they knew. And it ends up flowing into the Dead Sea Valley. And what's amazing about this river is that it leaves behind a trail of trees and life. It flows into the dead places that they knew. And what happens is that the deadness doesn't kill the water, but actually the water of life brings life to where there's death. Everywhere where this river flows, transformation comes. Life emerges. There's fruit, there's plants, there's animals, there's healing, there's restoration. And as this water and this river flows, really what should be coming to mind is, is like the reversal of Genesis. That actually we're going back to perfection in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 in the Garden of Eden. And what it shows us that actually, because remember friends, the water that's flowing out is now flowing out. Why? Because the presence and the glory of God has returned to the temple. A church without the presence of God is as good as dead. It will never be effective. It doesn't matter how much it does. It doesn't matter how many people go. It doesn't matter how much money they have in the bank. Without the glory of God and the presence of God, we have no hope. 
we effect no change. The glory of God returns to the temple, and what happens as a result is this river of life begins to flow. The presence of God, the power of God, brings life to where there is death. So why is there a river coming out from the temple? Jerusalem never had a river flowing from the temple. So what's happening here in this vision? What's its purpose? What it shows us is the impact and the effect that the glory and the presence of God has. The river is the sign of the blessings that flow from God. As the psalmist says in Psalm 46, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. This temple, and for us, as we read and we see the importance of the temple in the Old Testament, it is the place where the glory of God dwelt. It's the place where the presence of God resided. That actually... What we're seeing here is that the, the, the source of life, the source of blessing, flows from the glory and presence of God. Joel tells us, not my Joel, the Joel in the Old Testament tells us that a fountain shall flow from the house of the Lord. Zechariah 14 tells us that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem. What it's showing us is that, that from the glory and the presence of God, rivers of living water will flow. Rivers of, rivers of living water will stream out from. And we have to compare these words with John's vision in Revelation 22. It's amazing. I love how the Lord works. Revelation 22. Now John has another heavenly tour guide. Revelation 22 verses 1 and 2, we read this. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, which is twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for what? The healing of the nations. God is the source of this life that flows. And then we read as well in John 7 these words, because they're important, I think, for understanding a bit more about what this river symbolizes for us as God's people here. We may think as well of these waters as the gift of the Holy Spirit that God has given to his church. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 7, Verse 37 and 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Your heart is the temple of the Lord. Your heart is filled with God's presence, friends. As a follower of Jesus, you have the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, living and dwelling in you. No longer does God just dwell in a building made by human hands, but he now fills his people. And then verse 39 says that he said this about who? About the Spirit, whom those who believed in were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given yet, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Friends, he has been glorified. The Spirit has been given. 
We know that the Holy Spirit is the sealing of our inheritance, the very real truth that we are filled by God's presence, that we are the temple of the living God. The fact that this river comes from the temple shows us that God is the source of this rivers of living water, that He alone is the source of life. And friends, in a world that is so thirsty, that is so desperate for hope, so desperate for truth, that is so desperate for life, to feel alive, we know who the fountain is. We know who the source is. And he's given us his spirit. And Ezekiel's tour guide with a measuring stick takes him along this river and he shows him the, the depths that this river goes to. That no longer was it just a trickle of water flowing, but it was now and it runs into being a raging stream, so much so that he couldn't even pass it. It goes from little drops to being ankle deep. And we see the different measurements in verses 3 to 5, which shows us this continual increase and in depth of the river. Like I said, I love that the river flows out to the east. And I pray that this is a prophetic word that God has given us for 2024, that actually we will see the increase of his presence, that we would see the increase of his effect, we would see the increase of his impact here in the east end of Glasgow. Lord, let it be so. And I wonder if you were to use this river as some sort of gauge for your faith or some sort of gauge for your spiritual walk, where are you in this river? How deep in the river of the Lord are you? Is it just a wee trickle? Just a Sunday morning, you get a few wee drops placed upon you. Are you ankle deep? You've waded down a little bit more. You're a bit more enthusiastic. Maybe you read your Bible a couple times a week. Are you up to your waist? Or are you swimming in this river? Where are you? Where are you in relation to the river of God? Wherever you are, friends, you can always go deeper. There is always more. I pray that this year is a year of surrender where we can say on the first Sunday of 2024, Lord, you can have it all. Wash over me with the rivers of life. Have it all. Take it. Have my heart. Abby talked about a revival of faith. Let it be so. That starts in your heart. That starts with your devotion. Do you know the, the world can't be revived? Do you know where revival starts? It starts with the house of the Lord. Why? Because you can only revive that which has had life. And life isn't found out there. Life is found in Christ. Maybe we've grown cold. Maybe actually... In these last few weeks and months and years, we've actually walked back up the river. Maybe we were waist deep, but actually now we're only ankle deep. I pray that the Lord revives you and revives your heart and he takes you deeper. What's stopping you from saying to the Lord, you can have it all? What is holding you back? 
The river isn't something to be looked at. The river is something to be experienced. The river was so deep and so wide that Ezekiel could not cross it. And friends, God is calling us into the deeper things that he has in store for us. How will you respond to that? For some of us, there's stuff that we have to put down. For some of us, there's people that we have to let go of. For some of us, there's hobbies that we need to change and lifestyle changes that we need because, friends, we can't say you can have it all when our hands are full of this world. And everywhere this river goes, what we see is that life follows. Do we not want to see every inch and every crevice of our community alive for Jesus? The place is forgotten, the place is abandoned, places and situations that seem too lost or too broken. Just see where this river ends up. It ends up in the Dead Sea. A place that could have no life is now teeming with all kinds of fish. Places where fishermen could never stand are now they're fishing because there is such an array of fish in that place. What that shows us is that with the places that have no life, when God's presence comes, life follows because he's the source of life. Let 2024 be the year for Sandy Hills Parish Church of the more of God, the more of God in our lives and the more of God in our church. More salvations, more baptisms, more freedom of the Holy Spirit, more healings, but above it all, more of his presence and more of his glory. My prayer this year is very simple. But friends, it will leave us different as a church. It is utterly transformational. My prayer is that we give him everything that we have. That we give him our all. And how we as a church do in regards to that is down to each one of us. It's not just down to me. It's not just down to the elders or the leadership. It's down to each one of us as we walk with the Lord that actually that we go deeper into the river of life. We go deeper into the things of the Lord. And just before we close, and we're going to watch a wee video, in verses 9 and 12, we have the crescendo of this vision. We see life, and we see prosperity, we see healing, we see restoration, we see hope, we see transformation. Friends, our church needs that. Our denomination needs that. And our community needs that. What he has given to us is not to be kept by us. It is our collective responsibility to see the rivers of God and his presence flow out from this place. I remember when my minister joined my home church back in Stornoway. He said his vision for Martins was this. It wasn't to see more people come into Martins Memorial Church. It was to see more of God's presence in Martins Memorial. Friends, can we see the same about here? It's not just about seeing more people come to Sandy Hills, as amazing as that is. But it's about seeing more of his presence. For where his presence is, the rivers of life flow from. 
and transformation can't help but happen. We're going to watch a video, a We Worship song just now. And in it, I want us to give a space to respond to the call of God this morning for us to go deeper as a congregation, to go deeper as followers of Jesus. And maybe for us, that's the first time that we're even entering into the water and we've been standing on the banks, but you think, no, you know what? 2024 is the year that I want to get serious with Jesus. Enter into the river of life this morning because your thirst will be quenched. Uh, Or maybe we're already in, but actually... For each one of us, friends, we can go deeper. We can see more of his presence. We can feel more of his transformation. And as we watch this video, I I just invite you, if you feel comfortable, to do so as you listen and reflect on the words, to use this as a time of response. And maybe this morning you can offer him your all just by holding out your hands, seeing Jesus have it all. Let's watch this worship song together just now.
transformation for us as a church, for us as followers of Jesus, and for us as a community. For only the presence of God can transform the places that are dead in this world. We need Him, friends. We need more of Him. We need to see Him move. Our community needs Him. Our denomination needs Him. Our church needs more of him. I need more of him in my life. And I pray that you can say the same. Jesus, you can have it all. Have my whole 2024 and all the years of my life. Amen.